literacy is the plate, if you will, and then every content area that you learn from is 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 on that plate. And mm -hmm. I think that's how I would uh, how I would categorize that. And there's great strategies that our teachers use every day and our leaders are modeling. And uh, I think. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM. And in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial, 102.9, here today in the town building's central office from a school perspective with our school superintendent, Lucas Giguerd. Happy Wednesday, Lucas. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. We had Excellent. a school committee meeting last night, so we can start there and then just discuss, because sure. I know you've got a bunch on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's uh, It's been a pretty active uh, opening to school and an active fall so far. And but four weeks have gone like this. I know, I know. This is, this, the last four weeks went faster than last year, I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't know why or the reasons, but um, it feels that way. That, yeah. So we can start at least in terms of uh, the school year and for the listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, last time you may recall, at least from a school committee perspective, you presented the district improvement plan. Yes. And at last night's meeting, you took that down to the next level and across the schools, you gave high school, middle school, and then the elementaries their individual school improvement plans. Yes. So uh, as you said, we had our district improvement plans approved last school committee meeting where we really tried to focus on the big ideas, the strategic objectives for the district, and then um, the initiatives that are taking place across the district. This year, we really tried to hone in on focusing. Um, in my opening day with staff, we talked about not trying to add new ideas, but commit to things that were already in the, in the pipeline or in, in the plans. Fine-tuning things that are already underway as opposed to adding something else to the plan. Correct. And last night uh, we were joined by our phenomenal group of school principals that we have across the district and some assistant principals at the high school mm -hmm. to co-present with our high school principal. And I thought they did a great job of illustrating, kind of highlighting what are the strategic initiatives and the goals right. and then the action steps we plan to take and then the anticipated outcomes. So uh, you can find that information online and I think it lays it out, but for the purposes of this particular podcast, I would just say that we've really tried to work uh, as a level. So you'll notice instead of having 10 schools with 10 different plans mm -hmm. going in 10 different directions right. in Franklin, we determined that it made sense for us to focus our energy on level-based goals, so five elementary schools, what are the shared experiences and learning experiences that we want for kids across all levels as they go through kindergarten through fifth grade? Mm -hmm. What are the shared experiences for our sixth, seventh, and eighth graders at our middle school so when they become a freshman class at Franklin High, we then have a shared group of experiences? Right. And uh, we found some, some benefits to that. One is aligning our resources streamlining our resources mm -hmm. across all of our schools when sure. all of your goals are related across levels it it's, uh, makes a lot of sense to plan professional development um, determine what the resources and needs are for teachers right. and then also just time and schedules because mm -hmm. that all matters oh, so sure. that's yeah and for those who in my case and others may be listening may remember you know even 15 20 years ago there was especially i think it was more noticeable at the elementary level where 
the individual plans and individual operations really varied amongst the individual schools. And to a certain extent, I think the district also started realizing that as they got to middle school, and then as they got to high school, there were the variations. So you, now you're getting an eighth grade class or getting a ninth grade class. And granted, there's going to be some normal variations amongst the class anyway, but it was a little bit more varied than it should have been because respectfully, some of the individual schools were doing things that were not necessarily as unified across the district. Right, and I remember I was a teacher uh, back in those days, but I can tell you maybe one school had maybe an emphasis on one particular area, and another school had a strength in a different mm -hmm. area. So it's to say that uh, we've tried to just align. Now this does not take away from each individual school needs their autonomy. The delivery and the morale and the, yes. the feel of the schools is still gonna be those individual schools. Yes. But the content is really what matters in that case. Right, and we thought if we're gonna have school improvement plans. We know that improvement needs to be tied to teaching and learning, and I thought our principals did a great job of collaborating and co-presenting. Mm -hmm. And I think what we'll see throughout the school year, when we do our school highlights, it'll be an opportunity for individual schools to highlight what does this look like, what does it look like at their elementary school, right. or their middle school, or the yeah. high school. So it was, a, it was a good night, I think, um, without going through every detail, I will just highlight a few things. Um, continuing to improve our advisory program for the middle school and the high school, mm -hmm. um, which is an area of how do we build in more curriculum um, related to that. I know yeah. at the high school they looked at trying to build in advisory lessons that hit on communication in 11th grade. So everything from email etiquette you know, we talk about portrait of a grad and being effective communicator. The world has changed. <laughs> Kids that didn't have mobile devices didn't start using email when we were going right. to school. Right. It didn't exist. Right. Now you, you need to provide that. Because if you think about it too, we weren't we learned to write differently. We weren't born with devices around, right. like electronic devices. Correct. So uh, email, for example, if you're so used to texting, and then you start writing emails as though they're text to your teacher. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're setting kids up for success when they enter uh, the work field and when they have to send it sure. a proper. So right. that's just a small example. Small example. And yeah. I know like executive functioning and organization for our 10th graders because we've learned that by that by 10th grade, there, there really uh, needs to be an emphasis on how we're organizing our day. Mm -hmm. We build in some scaffolding for incoming freshmen, but realize we needed to continue that. And then finally, advisory lessons at the tenth, uh, at the at the freshman level, really focused on trying to build uh, a culture of uh, respect, inclusivity, mm -hmm. belonging, those types of ideas. And then by twelfth grade, it's mindfulness. How do you manage stress? You know, and these are skills that you need to have stress. for the rest Who of your life. Stress? You know, I might be I might be uh, sitting in on a few senior advisory lessons for refreshers. Just I mean, to, to a certain extent, and I, even at the senior center, I hear that as a conversation from time to time. You know, it, life is stressful. We've talked before the kind of the social world, the doom scrolling that's out there. We we need to avoid that and kind of like find that center spot. Wow, right. How do we get through this? Absolutely. And, and the last thing I'll mention is, you know, we've really looked at our curriculum and teaching. So from an instructional lens, looking at our universal design for learning framework, and the first frame of that is around engagement. How do we recruit, this is, this is K through 12, Correct. but how do we recruit interest in the learning? Yeah. How do we have students, work with students to understand why they're learning what they're learning? And I think engagement, if you can get someone engaged in anything in life beyond the classroom, there's a higher level uh, of commitment and then mm -hmm. success and the ability to learn. Absolutely. And then on the curriculum side, we've really emphasized having high quality research-based curriculum 
products and resources uh, mm -hmm. and strategies for all of our students. So literacy is an area that we know across the country um, through the pandemic, be up before that, where we've really tried to emphasize and we've put um, a solid plan for implementation for literacy. And we have some phenomenal teachers who've already been practicing a lot of the strategies in the school improvement plan and we're starting by let's align to what's already happening mm -hmm. and then let's figure out where we need to grow and I'm excited about the work ahead and uh, the, the team that we have of teachers, of professionals that work with our students every day and um, our leaders at each of our buildings to mm -hmm. lead this work. Yeah, and literacy clearly is one of the, it, it, if you had to pick one place, I would pick literacy because if you don't have that, and that's one of the reasons why I'd, became an English major because if I understood what the materials were and how they were being presented then I really could go into science or some other you know fields because I knew the terms and I knew the approach and the basic sentence structure and understanding because if you don't have that what do you do it's a struggle and now because we've got now digital literacy you know etiquette around yeah. literacy uh, how do you managing right. your time with literacy yeah. can can you speed read? Can you yeah. when, when can you speed read versus when do you really need to do the deep reread? All of those aspects. Literacy is the plate, if you will, and then every content area that you learn from is 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 on that plate. Mm -hmm. I think that's how I would uh, how I would categorize that. And there's great strategies that our teachers use every day, and our leaders are modeling. And uh, I think. I don't want to take away from a future podcast where we can maybe have office, the Office of Teaching and Learning on to talk more in more depth. We can certainly tease more that depth. Up, okay. all, means, yes, all right, for sure. Because I think, if anything, just watching in the link to the school committee meeting will be in the show notes as well. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, Franklin TV's video is live streamed and it's there. But I think just the presentation and even at the micro level, if you will, to use that term, where the school district is presenting to the members of the school committee, each of them have different learning backgrounds and learning approaches. So it may, you, giving a chart to one versus an image to another reaches them and gets that engagement, which you as teachers also are faced with in the 15, 20, 30 student yes. classroom as well. Yes, yes. So. Uh, those are those are some of the highlights. I think also we have some goals around communication within our community and enlisting our community in different ways and then um, ultimately continuing to just work through creating environments where students feel welcomed, respected, and included. And I think we have we have work to do there, but we have really, really great kids in this town and community too that really um, I think are, are are doing really great things across all levels. So yeah. I'm excited about that. And I think it's it's also good that at least a couple of members were bringing back to kind of the budget issue because to a certain extent, what, how you're funded kind of provides what you can deliver because it's resource-based. Yes. Whether people or materials, it's still that. And I think the line that came back is, you know, can we afford to do that? Is, can we not afford to Mr. Hendrickson uh, countered with the question is, you know, can we afford it? Well, can we not, uh, can we not afford to do this? So right. um, I think there's opportunity costs when you don't um, invest in, in our kids and, and the resources we need. And I've been an advocate for those resources and will continue to do so. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, as we continue to work through and develop budgets, you know, we are uh, laser focused on providing resources and support that meet our goals. Right. And sometimes that means saying no to things. As much as you say yes to something that's a goal, you it's have to choice. say no to other things. So Absolutely. we um, we are engaging 
in that process now. I think we're trying to get our baseline for our budget mm -hmm. and develop that through the year. We had our first budget subcommittee last night where we just did a review of kind of where did we land from June through the summer with hiring and provided a brief update and I anticipate that also could be, uh, we oh, could share some more information, yeah, we, we could tee up as well. Because I think on the one hand, you, you, we're all going to miss Miriam and her wealth of knowledge. Absolutely. Answers that she could provide instantaneously or go to page 13 or go to page 29, whatever it was. But now you've got also a highly qualified, highly skilled person coming in, providing kind of that fresh view of things and tying together and realistically, even in the last five months, you had however many versions of the budget. Yeah, so. <laughs> so where are you today and where are you going? Yes. And, you know, those questions are going to be even more important as we go forward with Correct. the Joint Budget Committee and then the budget cycle coming up. So right. knowing, starting now it is appropriate because there's a whole lot of details that need to be done right. in order to better tell the story of how you're doing it. Oh, by the way, we really need to do this, and it's going to cost right. us that. Right. And I, th I thank you for, I won't reiterate what you said, but you just you just captured it very well. So I think you're, what you said is true, and I think we need to continue to meet and develop and tell our story, and we need to make sure we get our facts straight and our numbers straight and kind of uh, work through that. And mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, I, I do miss Miriam uh, tremendously, uh, period. I have no other comment. There's nothing to follow that. So we miss her. No. Yeah. So and, but, and Dr. Dutch good experience. presented last night, and I thought that he um, was uh, clear in providing information to the school committee and open to uh, feedback suggestions. So I think as we started early, so that we could share what we have, mm -hmm. and then get feedback and questions on what's not being answered, and then hopefully come back with those answers. So if we start this now, it felt like. We're doing budget, uh, we're, we're analyzing and discussing our budget now as, as a budget, not just as a means to an end of recommending what Correct. we want. Does right. that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it does to me. I've been through it multiple cycles, so I understand that. And just a quick clarification for the listeners, when you go back to the TV video of the school committee meeting, it was the prior budget subcommittee meeting when that presentation was made. So you won't see it in last night's, but that's part yes, of the tease yes, up. Yes, yes, yeah, it was, yes. That's part of the tease up that we'll, we'll sp spend time in a future podcast mm -hmm. to introduce Dr. Dutch and then get into more details. Yes. I believe there might be a joint budget subcommittee um, planned or definitely by mid-October, I believe, is that the date. Had, so That had been talked of a couple of times. I hadn't heard a final date yet, but certainly once we hear whatever that final date is, we'll be sharing that out as well because that'll be a key piece in terms of making progress towards <laughs> the school and town issues. As we've talked, we don't have to dwell on it here, mm -hmm. but we've got systemic mm -hmm. issues and we need to address. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going back to last night's meeting again, so that people can understand where we're coming from, in your superintendent's report, I believe you touched on uh, the migrant housing update. There, there's no update as far as new information, but I would reiterate for the purposes of just making sure every chance we get with the community we can share information. So as we've previously shared, Franklin was one of the communities that was um, selected for to house displaced families in one of our hotels in town. As a district and as a school system, you know, we have a responsibility for providing education and educational services for all the students in our community that, regardless of their background or circumstances, um, need to be educated if they're living in resting their head in, in mm -hmm. Franklin. 
And we are collaborating with the town and state agencies and the Department of Ed uh, around this, but ultimately we've enrolled approximately 30 students across all levels. Um, the, uh, we are working through our business office. The state has um, committed and, and, and talked about having funding assistance for school districts as it re relates to the students that are enrolled in your district. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a, a headcount formula from what I understand. Right. But from what I understand too, and you can kind of clarify, mm -hmm. it, it equates to effectively, for what I've seen, kind of the state average mm -hmm. of the per pupil spend, which to the extent that we're spending less than that helps us. <laughs> yes, so uh, that's that's how it, it's, it shakes out, is it's about that's the state it average. Like. And again, still, the check yes. hasn't arrived yet. We no, don't know exactly what they, it's gonna they, be. They've, I, I've read quarterly payments is how I've heard it, but um, without getting over committing on a podcast or, or miscommunicating, that's what's been shared with me. So that's Correct. my transparent yes. po point on that. And we continue to pursue that to make sure we have our T's crossed and our mm -hmm. I's dotted for uh, any opportunity to um, receive funding because I'm never going to turn that down. No. Um, <clears throat> And we welcome our families and newcomers, our newcomer students to the school year, and we will continue to do uh, that work and educate and go through our process and follow our policies related to um, this situation, these circumstances. Right, and these special circumstances, effectively, you've got a, a bunch of new people coming in, but they still need to follow the onboarding process that the schools has in place that anybody coming into Franklin mm -hmm. goes through in terms of Proof of residence, obviously a special case, but then mm -hmm. checking all the other lists on the to-do before somebody comes into the classroom. Right, and there's been some um, good questions asked around enrollment. What are the procedures? So um, it's you know, a, a, no one's asking for specific information on a specific person, but the idea is it's a great question around enrollment and how does it work in a scenario like this. Yeah. We've um, followed our policy, so when you have a situation where there's temporary long-term housing in effect, mm -hmm. in essence, sure. you basically follow McKinney-Vento, which is your Homelessness Act. It's also part of our policy that we follow. So you have to enroll students based on that policy, and that means that you verify the information that you have. We verify that they live uh, where they live, and then we go through our process and place students where we feel it's most appropriate based on their education and their profile, mm -hmm. and, and ultimately um, we are moving through that. I do not have an update on any new um, um, students arriving, but at this point the information that we've shared along mm -hmm. the way is what's uh, the most mm -hmm. recent. Yeah, and I think even from the town side, Chloe, you've, that it seemed like Desi wanted to, on the one hand, kind of let you get started, mm -hmm. get enough students coming in yeah. to get started, resume after summer, get started, and then gradually kind of bring right. in the others. And it's still kind of, I'm not sure even the state has answered, has answered the question yet, or even if some of them know, because I know the town's been knocking on the door, as well as the other hundred communities that are in the same boat looking for all answers to the same dozen or more questions right. in regards to when, how, where, right. <laughs> and we don't know yet, so stay yeah. tuned. We just we keep responding with the information we have um, to, to do the best we can to manage the situation and, and um, educate kids. That's and your primary goal. It's our primary, primary function. Primary so. function, yeah. Um, one of the pieces I think that came up during the uh, improvement plans was discussion around kind of the multi-tier support and how resource intensive it is. Chloe, we summarized as well, I think, just briefly in terms of it does take resources and oh, by the way, <laughs> what, if, what if we didn't do it? So putting that aside, but 
the math as well. So it also is a level of detail that I'm saying because maybe the people didn't really catch it as they were going mm -hmm. through listening to the meeting. But it's important to the extent that you've structured calendars in terms of class schedules within some of the buildings so that the flow of the, the class subjects and or the material is such that the resource and the support professionals can deliver to the entire population instead of just being kind of like bottlenecked in one little spot. It's, thank you for sharing that. I think one of our principals, I think Mr. Chelman mentioned this in his remarks around when we have resources in a building, we want to optimize those resources. So he talked about how you have to creatively schedule, particularly if you're sharing resources across multiple schools, mm -hmm. which we are in the position of doing. Sure. You cascade basically content area. Right. So if everybody did math at the same exact time in a building, you couldn't, you'd have one you wouldn't be able to provide the other resources like our interventionists, which we've mentioned Correct. dating back to last year, yep. if every grade is doing math at the same time. So you, you stagger those yep. so that the right people can be available for math support throughout a day. Sure. I think to me, that has been one of, and we saw the data last year when our math specialist presented to school committee, right. uh, has been one of um, the most effective ways in which we've closed the gap on mm -hmm. students who struggle with, maybe it's a concept, Maybe it's a unit. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just a, a uh, an order or or, a, or trying to understand basically how to tackle a particular problem. Sure. But what we found is when we provide support for students throughout the day, teaching them, having really strong tier one means what we all knew growing up. Right. Tier one was in the classroom with the teacher. Right. That's what we all came to experience. Right. And then basically, if we can get that really solid around literacy and math, mm -hmm. Uh, particularly, but all subject areas, we then have the ability to stagger and put in some other supports, tier two and tier three, right. basically where we're providing additional support. And I think that's an example of trying to schedule creatively so that we can provide those opportunities across right. schools. And the matrix on that just kind of boggles the mind trying to do that master scheduling. You've got six, <laughs> five elementary schools to figure out which ones are doing which, and then you similarly have a problem at the middle and the high school as well, mm -hmm. which they have their unique scheduling they issues do. as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's a level of detail that I think people really need to understand. Clearly, the schools today are not the schools that we went to, nor the God grandparents sure. went yes. to before. Yeah. Um, but they're still delivering the education and in a structured Correct. way. And at least from what I've seen, while we have challenges, clearly we have been a high-performing district, which is yeah. why people still want to come here. Right, right. And we're, we, I, I've said this before, we, we do a lot with the resources we have and mm -hmm. we continue to and I think that's on the um, on the shoulders of some really strong educators and leaders throughout the district so I give a lot of credit to folks that yeah. are leading yeah. and working and teaching and supporting across the board so yeah. gives me an opportunity to put I think the daily quote that signs for, for people who are not familiar but if you come to central office there's a little whiteboard <laughs> that has a quote each day and the quote today is timely in terms of this it says teachers don't teach for the income they teach the outcome. Oh, that's. I came. I came through the other way, so I haven't seen the whiteboard today. <laughs> but I will be seeing that when I head to the high school. As you go up and down during the day, I will. I will but see that. How appropriate, up. right? That is really appropriate. Time. That's great. And I'm glad that you read it and <laughs> could recall it. Get those literacy skills. Yes. Uh, Instant recall. Yeah. Doesn't always work, but <laughs> right. For some things, it does. Right. Um, so we've covered the key pieces around the new year starting, 
uh, improvement plan, some of the details within that. We've alluded to future long -term, longer det details on the learning process, literacy in particular, future details on budget, uh, joint budget subcommittee, and those will be coming, et cetera. Something else? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you, we, I, I may, I have my, a few my things. short-term memory has, has That's okay. filled in those gaps. That's okay. <laughs> I have a few things. One, I will, uh, I just wanted to share, I don't know if, you, I, I think you are aware, for Thanksgiving, for our uh, Thanksgiving game. Yes. We were selected as one of eight high schools in Massachusetts to uh, compete against our rival school, King Philip, right. at Fenway for the Thanksgiving game. It's not on Thanksgiving. And I just will uh, say that this is online as well, but I'll share just a brief thing. Our uh, Franklin Panthers are going to take on our rival King Philip for that mm -hmm. uh, for that Thanksgiving game. It will take place at Fenway Park on Tuesday, November twenty first at seven thirty p.m. Right. And you can buy tickets by going to RedSox.com, and then you could uh, forward slash high school football. Yeah. But you can go to the RedSox.com website, and the tickets are uh, twenty dollars, and you can access. Our, we have the late game, the, the 7.30 slot, but there's a game before it, I think, at 5.30. 5.30, I think, yeah. um, So uh, I wanted to share that because we won't have a game on Thanksgiving morning as a result of this because mm -hmm. we'll play then, and it's exciting. I think it's a great opportunity for our kids to, to play and our fans to go and watch a game at Fenway. For the iconic stadium to have the Thanksgiving game yes. for the seniors and never mind anybody else, that's an opportunity. Many of us don't always get into the stadium, never mind on the I know. field. I think, yeah. and I, I was reminded that the, was it the Boston Patriots that played at Fenway on the field way back, time, in, way back in time? Way back in time. Someone told yeah. me that, and I said, okay, yeah. well, we'll join the Boston yeah. Patriots on that yeah. field. So that was one piece. Absolutely. In the same vein, I sent an email out to families yesterday around just fan expectations. It was a reminder. I, I have sent this in the past in reaction, mm -hmm. and I thought, we haven't had knock on wood. wood I yeah. just thought, though, it made sense to enlist our community and our families in sure. on the conversation and ask that they um, read that letter. But ultimately, what we're looking to do is just make sure that we are supporting fan cheering, that you know, when it's done in good taste, it can contribute to the positive environment mm -hmm. of a game and trying to stay away from inappropriate chants and cheers and jeers. Right. And right. we manage our student section and work with our leaders who are the fan leaders, right, um, and, and work through that through the high school, but certainly just in general. And then um, the, the other piece I wanted to mention was just around uh, when students are there, we often are fortunate to have a community that supports our athletic games and programs. When our middle school and elementary school students show up to the football games, it adds to basically the amount of people there to support our teams, which is wonderful. Absolutely. The flip side of that is if, if students are dropped off and they're not monitored, and if they're from an elementary or a middle school, our high school staff doesn't know those students for one. Right. Two, monitoring students that are unsupervised behind the bleachers where it's not always well lit. It's a, it's a football game and what we've done is dedicated our resources to the fan section, mm -hmm. the athletic event, which is what the evening is about sure, and we have to yeah we have to focus our attention to those mm -hmm. areas yep. so what we've asked is we've asked this in the past as well if if uh, students are in elementary and middle school they should be accompanied by an adult mm -hmm. doesn't have to be their parent you could be taking a few kids as an adult sure your niece your friends right. whatever but ultimately right. someone should be in charge to monitor kids mm -hmm. and have them in an area where they're visibly seen and watched and I think that will cut down on 
on any issues that we see moving forward. Yep. And I put that out, and I just wanted to reiterate while I had. Yeah, the I think it was a good opportunity, at least from my perspective. Clearly, the football season is underway. That gets a lot of the technical, uh, most of the support. <coughs> Some of the other sports with volleyball, cross country, golf, mm-hmm. soccer, field hockey. I don't think I've left one out. <laughs> There's a yes. bunch going on in the fall. Um, tend to get their own participation, support yes. base, depending upon the home away games, etc. Uh, but leading up to Fenway, clearly the appropriate conduct at Fenway, it, it, it shows the community as well as the school and the sports. But those same things apply at the local games, even more so potentially, because that's where the, the stands and the behind the stands applies. The behind the stands wouldn't necessarily apply in Fenway as, no. <laughs> to that extent. Uh, you, you brought up one last point I made at school committee uh, during the school committee meeting last night is just when someone acts a certain way and they're a fan of Franklin's, they represent themselves, but they also represent Franklin High School, Franklin Public Schools, mm-hmm. and the town of Franklin. Sure. And we certainly, I'd rather put this out now and enlist people's support Absolutely. than have to manage something later where we have been, um, right. we, we develop a there's a narrative out there around some behavior, but it's not about the individual, it's about the, the Franklin person. Right. And I don't, wanna, I don't want that for our community. No, no. and I think it, that would not be good. And I think to your credit, and you've had a number of even international trips where the students are now really ambassadors, not just of Franklin, but of the US in many cases. Right. And you've got others being planned. Sure. All of that really ties back to this same piece of the community yeah. being representative behaving properly, but using it as a learning opportunity too, because that is priceless. Right, and we want people, we want students engaged in all of these aspects, so that's all. We just wanted to, I I wanted to put that out just as a way to. to, By all means, no. Yeah. Good, good. Anything else on your list? We did cover a bunch. I think we, we, I'm sure. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be plenty to talk through throughout the year, I'm sure, Steve. But I, I feel like we, we covered a lot going on. And I, um, yeah, I don't have anything else at this time. No, that's fine. I totally appreciate and I'm thankful for you taking time to share with me and with the community. Um, all this stuff is going. Uh, it's all, it's mostly all good. It's not perfect, but you know, those are the challenges that clearly will elaborate on some of those challenges, especially on the budget. Because if we had more money, if we had more resources, we could do things differently. And oh, by the way, we can't. So we need, we need together to tell that story um, and thereby have people understand the details behind it, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. This is why I think this format's pretty good. Um, people know how to get a hold of you, and clearly you've also iterate, reiterated kind of the communication process. You mm-hmm. know, people have questions should start at the lower levels, go through the principals, the teacher, the principals uh, of each of the schools before coming to you, which is not to say you don't want to be involved, but have somebody get the answer or should get the answer, and then if it's not that answer, then right. escalate. I think, I think the, uh, the emphasis there is really just trying to connect to the people who are closest to to it, to it. Mm-hmm. and I think that's where you can get the best results oftentimes so right. um, that's that's where that comes from is sure. around just making sure yeah, I, otherwise it's um, sometimes if you go to other people they have to go back to that person or right. and that doesn't seem always like the best way to do it no. so no. we try to we try to emphasize that thank yeah. you for mentioning absolutely so again thank you for taking time listeners thank you for listening and we do this because Franklin matters 
We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.